1: Power Slam Show, indeed, indeed, indeed. 161 episodes. Uh, I'm just uh, so excited, man. This is uh, going to be awesome. 161 episodes strong. We are just continuing to have some fun over at RearWrestling.net live stream, of course, com. PWMania.com, uh, and of course, like us on uh, Twitter at Crave Wrestling and follow us through the Crave Wrestling Facebook page. One hundred and sixty one episodes. I'm so excited. Uh I usually say something like, you know, we get live and living color getting funky like a monkey if you will, but this but tonight tonight I'll say something like,
0: Oh, you know you better recognize
1: because tonight we have D one, the only former WWE intercontinental and European champion d Brown it's great to have you tonight sir.
2: What's going on one sixty one and counting congratulations I'm glad to be part of one sixty one Thank you very much
1: thank you sir let's 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 start off by asking you know, you are from chicago right is that you you're born- you're you're a chicago native
2: no no see i um, here here's the thing I'm born and raised in New Jersey, but i moved okay. to Chicago, so you can't figure out where you're born but you can you can choose where you were from. So that's true. I'm from Chicago because that's where I want to be from. That's the city I most associate myself with. Okay, that sounds good, man. So
1: you're a Jersey native, but you're but you but you have Chicago blood. The Reason why I ask uh,
2: is I believe blue and orange. I mean, I believe bear blue and orange. So I'm big time Chicago blood.
1: Nice, nice. So you were a big fan of, uh, uh, you know, the old Chris Farley skits, The Bears and the Bulls on uh, Saturday Night Live. Hell hell yeah, my (laughs) friend, hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, The Bears and the Bulls. I was a big SNL fan. I was a huge SNL fan. Chris Farley was my favorite all time. And, uh, yeah, I loved those skits. It was absolutely amazing. So my question is, are you a
2: Bulls fan? I am a Bulls fan. Yes, I am. If it's anything Chicago, I'm a fan of Bulls, Bears, Blackhawks. I'm kind of splitting the Cubs and White Sox, but hey, what can you do? (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Well, we share something in common. We're already starting off the, the show amazing because I am a diehard Bulls fan. Huge Bulls fan. I've been a Bulls fan for about 25 years now. And uh, yeah, man, I, I I'm like real, real big into in, in to sports. Of course, I write for the beach Report.
2: I'm in Ohio. People, right, well, but I still well, live in Ohio. As a as a Bulls fan, did mm-hmm. it mess you up, put you off that they didn't close out Milwaukee last night? Because it bothered me. No, big time.
1: I, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Well, let's even let's even go back a game. Let's go to game four. Let's go. They right. we were six down and we managed to get the three point play of Paul Gasol tied it up and then we had the ball it was it was what 99 or 92 92 i believe with with the second and with the few seconds left gives give the ball to Derrick Rose he just blew it first of all he he messed up with the uh with the chance to just close it out and then he fell asleep on the other end of the court and right. I got the game winning shot. It was oh, I was just like, Derek, are you I know I know you've been injured. I know you you know, you're still trying to get your, your mind mentally back in the game because you've been injury prone. But did you just fall asleep on the two most important plays of the game, could have just swept the bucks, now we gotta go to game five and then they had a chance to do it again yesterday and they mm-hmm. went to sleep again. Oh, <laughs> I was <laughs> just <laughs>
2: I I the thing about me is, when you got a team down oh three, okay, you're you're down. Mm-hmm. You're up three games to none. Championship teams handle their business and close them out.
1: Absolutely, the Bulls are not a
2: championship team right now because not only is they they in game five. But now that you know, now it's three two. Anything yeah. can happen now, and they're you know, absolutely so, and they're going back home. Yeah. Anything can happen right now, and if we get a game seven, and you got a team that's. You know, one three straight. Who knows what can happen in Game Seven? So it's scary.
1: Exactly, exactly. And you know, and ever since the inception of, you know, uh, of the of the NBA, you know, the the, the stat still lies that nobody's came back from O three. And I mean, come on, boys, do not. Be the first team to allow someone to come back from O three and and beat you in the playoffs. That would, that would be absolutely. That would be
2: the exact. That would be the exact same thing as a number one seed losing to a sixteen seed in the NCAA tournament. Like you absolutely. would be like a team remember <laughs> forever. <laughs>
1: absolutely. That's that's. I'm, I'm like I said. I'm Ohio native, and so when Appalachian State beat Michigan, we still talk about that here in Ohio. So um, that's yeah, the you know the first me. game. <laughs>
2: We talk about that in the rest of the country too.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, and that's good. That's awesome. If you, if you guys talk about, you're in Vegas now, right? Yes, I'm in Vegas now, and they still talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're a, you're a, a clear across the country, and you guys you guys still talk about that. That's absolutely amazing. Well, before we get into you know just the, the life and times of D'Lo Brown, man, this is actually, I've interviewed dozens of people, um, but uh, we actually we usually have people. Plug their stuff at the very end, but I want you to—I want you to do it in the beginning, man. You—you—you you started this academy, and uh, you know it's getting some rave reviews, a lot of buzz. So let us know about the the academy
2: that you started up. Yeah, we started the bar Academy out here. It's, it's called the Proving Ground, and um, you can find us on Twitter at uh, at three at three PW Las Vegas. Um, and it's my thing was I've been around this wrestling business for a long time, and I've I've seen in my opinion, the deterioration of the business that I love. And I got tired of complaining about, why is it this way? Why is it this way? And people said, well, if you're complaining so much, why don't you do something about it? Okay. Don't threaten me with a good time. So I decided to open <laughs> up my wrestling school, and that's the that's deal of my academy. And, and, you know, I, I want to, re- you know, restore the fundamentals of this business. I want to restore the respect that, that's supposed to be part of this business. And, and just put out a good crop of kids, and you know I was I was literally at the school 45 minutes ago, rolling around. I only left because I had to come here and you know be on your show. Um, but you know we're out there hanging bang and banging. You can you know hit us up and, and and come on out. I mean we're out here in Vegas. You want to make the move out here and and you can get an education in wrestling, and that's that's what we do. I you know I, I try to teach the things that make you special. I try to teach the things that that'll separate you from the pack. Um, you know, cuz anybody can teach wrestling moves. I want to teach you things that'll that'll make you stand out a little bit more. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree and I and I'm really really looking forward to see your first batch of graduates and, and just uh, you know, what they're going to do and how you know, you can say you know that uh, the, the next world champ was was trained you know in the in the D'Lo Brown Wrestling Academy. Man, that's that's going to be absolutely amazing. I'm looking forward to that. So you grew up as a kid, and just just let us know. And I love asking people this: Why in the world did you choose professional wrestling over anything? Because I know you have an accounting background. So what? Yeah. What made you want to be an accountant? And then more than that, what? how did pro wrestling come into your
2: accounting career? I, I became an accountant because I was just good at math. And that's bottom line. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. I was just good at math. If that makes any sense. Um, <laughs> as far as pro wrestling goes, um, I've been a wrestling fan since I was 9 or 10 years old. Um, I remember vividly one of my first memories is, you know, seeing you know flicking from one channel to the other, and you know, grew up in New Jersey, so we had Channel 29 and Channel 48. And on Channel 29, you had the WWF, and on Channel 48, you had the NWA. So I remember seeing like dunk the Clown on WWF, <laughs> and switching to NWA. There's Dusty Rose bloodier than Crimson Mask, and getting beat up, and I was like. I remember telling my grandma, Grandma, I found real wrestling. Wow. And so, from that point on, I was just enamored by what I was seeing on TV. And I remember having a conversation with my sister when I was 13. I was like, I'm going to be one of those guys. And she goes, yeah, right. Well, you know, it's very rare you get to find your life passion and and something you're, you know, you want to be in when you're 13. But I did. Um, And I knew I was always going to be part of that. But then... As I grew up, I started playing sports, and I started moving away from wrestling a little bit. I still watched it, but it wasn't, like, the number one thing on my, my agenda. Went up to college, you know, went up to Maine, graduated, came back, and was working, you know, at an accounting firm in New York. And I got a friend from my – I got a call from a friend named, you know, Tom Carter. Um, he wrestled independently as a record youth. Um And they were – Renting rings for the weekend and doing their own wrestling show, like backyard stuff. So I drove back down home and started doing it and playing around with it, and then that love reignited again. And then uh, I remember one day we were renting we from a guy named Larry Sharp, we ran the Monster Factory, and uh, he decided to stick around one time to see what he was, you know, making his money on. And he saw me wrestling. He said, "You're pretty good. You're pretty big." you were thinking about doing this for real? And I was like, for real, for real? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, if you sell 50 tickets, you can be my next show. So I sold four, bought the other 46 myself, and that's how I had my first match.
1: <laughs> wow. That's yeah. amazing. Wow.
2: So, and that
1: was – was that in Chicago, or did you go no, no, from –
2: that was in New Jersey. I was working in New York. Still Jersey. Went back down to, I went back down to Clementon, New Jersey, the home of the Moss factory. Now it's in Paulsboro. Mm-hmm. Um but that's where I started in New Jersey. That was in 93, uh, 94.
1: Absolutely. And,
2: and started from- Um So so what so where did the Chicago move go? Come from? Um, I was nine years old when I became a fan of the Chicago Bears. Um wow. I saw Walter Payton run. And I was like, that's my guy. And so this whole time i Bears fan. So as I moved around the wrestling business, people said, you know, where's D-Lo Brown from? And I said, Chicago, Chicago, because that's what I associated myself with. And I eventually moved to Chicago because I wanted to be from Chicago. So I moved to Chicago in 95, and, 96. Mm-hmm. And that's where there, my Chicago ties came from. Um, mm-hmm. Once again, you can't, be, you can't choose where you're born, but you can choose where you're from, and that's, I, I I'm not. I wasn't lucky enough to be born in Chicago, but I'm from Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. So you had a, if I'm not mistaken, you had a tryout match uh, over 20 years ago for the WWE, right? Yeah. um not just say tryout match. They were you know TV enhancement matches where I remember my first match was yeah. Earthquake, and you just went up there and you you. You know, back, that's back in the day when guys would kill the guys on TV and squash them, and you just went out there and you did work, and you did anything to just be noticed. And uh, I remember it was probably, yeah, 94, 95 was when I did like, some uh, some TV work where I remember some earthquake. I wrestled um, Yokozuna and Owen Hart in a tag match. Um, and that's how they got to know me uh, initially in WWF. But they really noticed me when I was down in Smoky Mountain, Jim Quinn at Smoky Mountain. And that was in 94, yep. 95. Um, and I was part of a group called the Gangsters, you know, New Jack Mustafa. And Jim Ross is a color play-by-play guy, a color commentator. So um, that's really where, you know, they got to really see me and see me develop.
1: Wow. So the Gangsters, is, uh, you know, they, they were
2: known in Smoky
1: Mountain, but they were popular now, popularly known in ECW now. Have you? Did you ever talk to Heyman about an ECW run?
0: When
2: when our run in Smoky Mountain was up, um, I was just a quote-unquote manager third wheel. So uh, mm-hmm. Heyman only won the tag team. So that's when the gangsters and I split our ways, and I went off and wrestled independence and did some enhancement work for WWF, and then they went off to ECW to do their thing. But, you know, we were still trying to hone our crafts our own different ways so was cornette
1: i mean give give us you know the the your version cuz we've got many, many different versions of you know who and 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 whatever cornette is to a particular person it seems like he has pockets of people that he likes and dislikes so how was jim cornette to you and how was the smoky mountain atmosphere working down, uh, so it was what uh, mostly Kentucky, Tennessee area,
2: right? Yeah, Kentucky, Tennessee, the Carolinas, little Georgia. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, but to me, Cornette is um, Cornette holds a very special place in my heart because he's the guy that gave me that first break. He gave a yeah. uh, kid in the Jersey he really didn't have much training an opportunity, and he put me, which I consider my my. College degree in wrestling, being in Smoky Mountain, he gave me the opportunity to be around guys like you know the Rock 'n' Roll Express and Tracy Smothers and Freddie White Whiteboy and Brian Lee, and these aren't national names, but these are names that these are guys who who were wrestlers, old school wrestlers with a lot of knowledge, and they were they were generous enough to give me a lot of it. Um, yeah, and Cornette put me in that position um, to learn from them. And, you know, Cornette is is I, I love him. I, I love him to death. He loves me. I mean, I remember when I got married, he drove from he drove from Louisville down to West Palm Beach, Florida to come to my wedding. So I mean he, wow. he yeah, no, he's he's got a special, special place in my heart and to the day I die, um, you know, my first break came from Jim Cornette.
1: That's awesome, man.
2: So 94,
1: 95, you know, you, you mentioned people like Tony Anthony, the dirty white boy. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, the uh, – Glenn Jacobs
2: was down there at that time too, wasn't he? What was he in the bomb? Okay. I will tell everybody that Smoky Mountain was developmental before it was developmental, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Glenn right. Jacobs, who was, right. Kane, was there. Chris Jericho was there. Um, Lance Storm yep. was Balls. there. Lance Storm was there. Uh, Balls Mahoney okay. was there. um the fake Undertaker, Brian Lee, was there. Chris Candido mm-hmm. and Sonny were there. I mean, it was the first independent training ground for the WWF. Um, but it may mm-hmm. not have been official, but so many guys came from there. But, I mean, living in my house with me, and we barely could afford rent, was was me, Jericho, Landstorm, Storm, uh, Balls Mahoney, uh, New Jack, Mustafa, and a guy named Anthony Michaels, all living in the same house. So, I mean... Wow. It was, it, there was talent, talent, talent in, in Smoky Mountain. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I I remember watching Smoky Mountain back in you know ninety four, ninety five, and that's when I really first liked. Uh, I mean, I've been a Jericho guy, but uh, ECW Smoky Mountain is is really when I remember remember them, and I just remember Tony Anthony. That's, that's I remember the dirty white boy Tony Anthony. And the Smoky mm-hmm. Mountain uh, wrestling. And, uh, yeah, I would always remember. And I think Roberts had a run there, too. Savage had a run there, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, I think
2: a lot of guys came through there. Kevin Sullivan came through there. Roberts went through there. Sullivan, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, it just, Smoky Mountain was, for me, Smoky Mountain was ahead of his time. Like, I think Smoky Mountain could yeah. play today on TV.
1: Wow. That would be very, very interesting to see some. Are, are you, are you familiar of why um, the WWE doesn't have the library? Is it something that Cornet's not willing to give up for, uh, for, for the WWE to the WWE the
2: library at all? Because you know, I'm, I'm sure it would not, be, I'm, it would show I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, mean, I, I'm not sure at all why, why there's you know smoking Mountain is not on there. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jimmy's got his own plan or whatever it is. I have no clue. Um but uh, i just I just know that Smoky Mountain was gold, and when it finally gets put on the network or it's put out there wherever it is, um, there's some really good t v there that oh yeah, um, people would enjoy today, I mean, I swear to goodness people will enjoy it today,
1: yeah, yeah, I agree, and just think of the footage
2: that you know that can
1: come with you know if the network of w w e you know has an opportunity to get that footage in that library, just think about just the the production that can come with really creating a biography you know for like a Jericho or you know for like a savage and you know things like that, and just you know i, I totally agree it's awesome um so in u s w a they had a group called the Nation of domination, and so they migrated mm-hmm. over to the w w e and you came. With them, how in the world did and you, you mentioned Cornette? Cornette gave you your break, and was it was it a Cornette thing? Because I know that he was kind of going back and forth and interchanging talent with uh, Smoky Mountain at the time, because the Heavenly Bodies came over to the WWE at the time as well, and and the new the new NWA, which was uh, <laughs> quite quite interesting. The new. Uh, uh what was it the uh new midnight express or or the
0: yeah, and,
1: the, uh, midnight express. Um, the new yeah new midnight express and then they had um like Wyndham and blackjack bradshaw and uh when Jared was like the north American heavyweight champion and um yeah. so you know they had some <laughs> pretty good exchange there so uh, I know that he had a lot to do with your spot in the w w e how did it come about for you to be a member of this group that was already established in the USWA and coming into the WWE and you being a part of them?
2: Well, w- when the group moved over from USWA um, and then, you know, Ron Simmons, uh, who is by far my greatest influence in his business to, to date, um, was placed in charge of it. And, then, you know, you know he became Peru because he was already there. And then Farouk reinvented himself as Farouk Nation domination not, you know, Blue Hat, Gladiator, look, for um Yeah. <laughs> uh, when they first came out, it was, you know, it was JCS and Wolfie D who were the accompaniment, and then it was a bunch of guys who weren't wrestlers who were wearing suits and ties. Yep. So the nation was getting a lot of, and I uh, use the term, heat, you know, because they were getting a lot of heel heat. So it, the thought went that we need one of these one of these guys in Susan Ties who can actually get, get his ass kicked and make it look good. Jim Clark goes, I know the perfect guy. My phone rings. He says, you have a suit. I, you know, I said, yeah, Jim, I got a suit. He goes, can you be in New York on Saturday? This is this was the first episode of Shotgun Saturday night. And I said, yeah, I can be there. He goes, I'm going to have somebody call you. And Ten minutes later, I had a uh, I think it was Susie from Travel and WWF called me. And I went there and had no clue what I was gonna do. And that was the night Ahmed Johnson plunge me on top of a car. Um it was yep. the first episode of Shotgun Saturday night. And as soon as I walked back, Mystic Man grabbed me and said, That was incredible. And I signed a contract wow. like ten days later. That's and amazing. man. It. And there it was. Yeah. And
1: and you, you know, received a uh you know and I, and you could tell because you received a pretty, you know, sizable push in, in 97 and 98. you know, becoming, you know, what the first Euro Continental champion. Uh yeah. and you know, something that, you know, Jared and Angle are are used to uh, Jared Jared and Angle also or you you're a continental champion, but you you're the one that's really uh initiated and originated that uh that type of uh, prestige and your your run was nation of domination. Let let us know, you know, your your ins and outs as far as how you were booked there and just really your overall takeaway from your nation run.
2: Well, you know, in the nation run I was the you know, once again it started out I was the guy who um if we were in an eight-man match, I was the guy who was going to get you know beat or I was the guy who was going to get beat up on. Um, and once again, I owe Ron Simmons this because I remember I was content with that. I was like, okay, I've made it here, and if this wasn't me to do, and then Ron Simmons pulled me aside and said, if you're given two minutes, kid, make it the best two minutes of your life. I don't care what they do to you. You make it the best two minutes. And that's when... My character started coming out. That's when the head shake started coming out. That's when mm-hmm. my strut started coming out. I started to separate myself from the pack. because before that, it, I was just there. I was no problem. Whatever you need me to do. But when he gave me that advice, he goes, "You go find yourself that's going to separate you." And and that's when, really, the character of D'Lo evolved. But it really hit a fever pitch when. DX is a parody of us, and Road Dogg pretended to be me, and he put a he put a flashlight up, not a flashlight, a spotlight, on what I did. And so when I came up two segments later, people were like, "Oh, he really does walk like that. He really does shake his head like that." And from that point forward, I was then not just the fourth guy; I was actually a productive member of the crew. So my oh, sure. days. It, if it wasn't for the Nation, I would have nothing in pro wrestling. You know, my time with the Gangs is great, but my, the, my Nation days are what what continues to help me do things today. Um, mm-hmm. Without a doubt, my Nation days are or are, are what has propelled me through my career.
1: Man, I remember back in '97 and '98, I was uh, um, entering into my junior and senior high school, and Of course, you know, don't try this at home. Videos all everywhere, but there was this big crash pad in my high school, and uh, there was two people I would emulate all the time, and everybody knew. I mean, everybody knew I loved wrestling. I've loved wrestling ever since I was in the womb, and everybody knew that I was a huge wrestling fan in high school, and I would always stun people. And emulating Austin, although I wasn't, you know, a huge Austin fan, I just think the stunner was just a, a capturing move. But more than anything, I was like, I was an underclassman in 97, uh, entering my junior year, and that's when I really started to do the strut, the, the head shake, the strut, and I was one of the most popular people in my high school, and I would have... Under, I would have upperclassmen. I would have seniors during recess. Grab anyone. I would, I would stand on. I would put all the bleachers together, and I would stand on the very top. This huge crash pad would be in the in the gym, and I would stand on top of the bleachers, and I would look and kind of scour over this gym. I would just point to someone. I would have about three or four upperclassmen just grab them, and I would do the most plush. Frog splash that you could ever see from anyone in Ohio, <laughs> and I would do the and I would do the arms out with with the fingers and you know you better recognize and you know do the whole head swivel and man I I, I was it was like frog it was like frog splash city at my high school and I did that for it my entire doing year it was absolutely amazing and so. If anyone, if, if you got, if you got a fan from anyone back in '97, it was this guy, because our frog splashed, you know, I, I got to the point my hops were amazing because, and the thing is, I would, I mean, your 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 frog splash is one of the best, you know, in in pro wrestling, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, but I would do the whole tuck, you know, because your frog splash, you know, someone like RVDs and Eddie Guerrero's amazing frog splashes, but they would kind of do kind of like a, a a Froggy motion, but you would do the arm tuck. That's what made your yeah. frog splash different that you would you know, you would tuck the arms in and still have some hang time enough to extend it uh, You know when you mm-hmm. when you came out and, and splashed them so I would do that and that's the reason why people would know know the difference between, you know, a Guerrero or an RVD frog splash compared to a DLO, you know, a a low down. And yeah, mm-hmm. it was absolutely amazing, man. So, what how did the sky high and the low down become your finishers? What who who was it your idea that someone, you know, uh in the back kind of you know, kind of suggest those moves to
2: you. How did those moves uh, come about? No first of all, I can't let that story go by without saying I'm I'm embarrassed by how well you've talked about me and I appreciate that and thank you. I I absolutely that man. means so much like I'm blushing right now if that makes any <laughs> that means anything to you, okay? It does. Um, absolutely. Uh the, the lowdown came from, and, and you mentioned RVD and RV, RVD and Eddie Guerrero. Um, the originator of the frog splash was a guy named Art Barr, who was Eddie yep, Guerrero's partner. The, re- the reason mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero did the frog splash was in to pay homage to Art Barr, who passed away. Mm-hmm. Well, Eddie does kind of like a gainer. He so it was a little tough. Well, Art Barr did his frog splashes like I did. So as a kid... I wanted that frog splash because it looks so cool and unique in the air. So my, my frog splash is an homage to art bar. Um, the reason, the reason that became my finish, because at, you know, I was a big boy when I first started wrestling, I was 400 pounds and going to the top rope doing a frog splash. People were like, Oh, that's so impressive. That's Mm -hmm. impressive. You need to keep doing that. You need to keep doing that. And so that became my shout out to art bar. Um, the Sky High came about, and I will be honest and I'm um, straightforward. Uh Al Snow had a thing called the Snowplow, which was kinda mm-hmm. like the Sky High but not. Um so I just took his move and added more to it and that's how the Sky High came around. And I remember the first mm-hmm. time I did the Sky High it was just it was just a move in a match with against Road Dog, ironically, um, in a match with DX. And I remember Triple H come back to me and said, don't do that move again unless it's the finish. Because AP said it looks so good, don't do that again unless it's the finish. And that's how this Scott high became my my secondary finish. Mm. Yeah,
1: both of those moves were very, very, very potent. And, you know, both of the moves – when they when they do that type of fox splash and you know great story about Arbar the guy
2: died so young um he, but he yeah he if Arbar hadn't died tell you Arbar hadn't died young he would have been a world champion on an international level that guy was a talent yeah talent absolutely
1: absolutely i, I totally agree and you know I've, and I've watched you know his work and yeah, I mean just the versatility and just the international flair that he has. You know, he he did a lot of work in Japan and you know Mexico and and uh, yeah, I mean just I mean the fact that he teamed with with Eddie Guerrero uh, alone. You know, you we we saw even Guerrero died young. He only died at his you know he was only his uh, mid mid thirties, but you know just we saw with Guerrero's run. You know, what he did and how successful it it was, and just imagine, you know, Art Barr, um, you know, w- with the talent that he had as well. I think he was like 28 or 29 when he died, you know, something, yeah, something around he was, there. He
2: was, really, um, he was really young, but for those people who don't know, he was on par with talent with Eddie Guerrero, and if Eddie were alive today, he would say the exact same thing. And I'm not saying that mm-hmm. any way to Eddie. Eddie would say the exact same thing. Art Barr was a talent, and he was a talent very young. Yeah, I totally agree.
1: So speaking of the frog splash, one of the other things that you were so notable for was the infamous chest protector. Now
2: was
1: it was it really a torn peck that you had that you still had to wrestle? Was it a gimmick that was talked about? Let us know about the
2: origin of the chest protector. Um, okay. It was never really a torn peck. Um it was a gimmick <laughs> to make people mad at me. It's and it, it look, I will give all, it was not my idea. In fact, when the idea was pushed to me, I hated it. Um I remember being in catering one time, at WWF Catering, and Jim Ross sat down next to me, and he said, Dealer, we need to find something that's going to separate you from the pack. That was a common theme in wrestling. That'll never change. You need to find something to separate you from the pack. And he goes, do you remember Iron Mike Sharp and the, the, the forearm protector and the broken arm and all that? And I was like, yeah. He goes, what if we did something different? You're finished with the frog splash. What if we hurt your chest? And you come back with this protective coating on your chest, like a a chest protector. And if you hit the finish, it intensifies the frost splash. And I sat there, and I shook my head, and I was like, oh, my God, I think he's crazy. This is my exact words in my head. And he goes, just think about it. So I remember going home and and talking to my, 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 my girlfriend slash fiance at the time and telling her, and I was, I, was, I was livid. I'm like, I'm going to be the stock of, of wrestling. I'm going to be Johnny Bench of wrestling. What the hell is this? And probably the most intelligent, prophetic, deep thing she ever said to me was, you need to try it, and if it fails, and you try it, it's their fault. But if you don't try it and it mm-hmm. fails, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. So like, okay. That's B. So I I went back to with that next week, and I was like, okay, um, J.R., let's let's try the chest protector thing. And then two weeks later, that's when when Dan Severin pulled my pec, and then a month later I came out with the chest protector. And once again, I was wrong. I'll be completely wrong. That's the thing that really, like, put me out there because people were mad at me because they knew I wasn't hurt. They knew I didn't have a torn tech, but yet I had this illegal object. I I was I was the epitome of a foreign object going to the ring. You know, yeah. and, and,
0: and, and and that's what you were people you were a walking
1: you
2: awesome. you were a walking disqualification.
0: Yes, I was a walking DQ.
2: Absolutely <laughs> right. But that's when people were mad at me because I was going to the ring with this illegal apparatus on and I was using it yeah. to my advantage. Yep. So it, it um I'm very thankful for JR pushing it on me and giving it to me because they could have easily given that idea to somebody else, and I could be sitting here, you know, 15 years later going, damn, that could have been me. Yeah. yeah. So That's I'm great glad point
1: it wasn't. There. There. Yeah. And I think, I think you fit the mode, you know, perfectly. I mean, just the head swivel and just the strut with the chest protector was absolutely awesome. So how – was the discussion uh, awesome? Quote here, awesome comment. So we're streaming through rearwrestling.net live stream here, and uh, got a comment that said the chest protector is almost as famous as Bob Orton's cast. So very, very interesting wow. uh, comment there.
2: <laughs> yeah. If if, um, if I'd ever thought I'd be in the same category of Bob Orton in any way, uh, I'm humbled. Um, if, if the fans out there think the chest protector is as famous as the cast, then I'm extremely humbled and appreciative.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um yeah, great great comment there. So uh the chest protector works. It got you, you know, a, a great push. Um the, the the European championship, you know, four time uh, European championship, you're tied with the most yep. reigns uh, uh ever. Uh so so kudos to that. So and then the your Intercontinental Championship run too uh let us know mm-hmm. you know just the high that you probably felt when you won both championships and uh the people who you were working with at the time and, and how you know um you know uh, working with them helped you
2: in your quest to become a champion well, you know it was you know, I'll tell you Jeff Jarrett's instrumental in that because he was the guy I took the the kind of title off and and had a nice run with mm-hmm. it, and I will say that um. Guy like X-Pac who really helped me with my game. Um, I was raw talent, and he he helped mold me. Um, X-Pac was a great teacher, a good friend, and a hell of a talent himself, and a good person. First and foremost, a great person. Um, but I, I can tell you, I remember the story. I, 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 the night before I had won the European title, uh, I can't remember what city it was. And then the next night we were in Columbus, Ohio, I think that was, and that's when I was given the Intercontinental title. And I remember going back to the hotel room. I remember unpacking my bag, and it was like a dream as I'm pulling one belt out and then there's another belt out, and I lay them on the bed. And I'm in, I'm in a hotel with two beds. So I'm laying them, I laid them both on the bed and sat there forever looking at them. Hmm. And I could not believe what I was looking It was like it's like and then I thought to myself, this has never been done before. Yeah. I was like, this has never been done before. And and then I realized that I have a place in history. So when yep. I'm long gone, my name is going to be there forever. And that was a very surreal moment. A very surreal Absolutely. moment. Absolutely.
1: Yep. I agree. I was, like I said, I was a D'Lo fan in the mid nineties, man. And, you know, I'm my, and now in my thirties, you know, it's, it, it's good to, you know, to have stories, uh, you know, about uh, that. And I, and I remember like, I remember like it was last week, you know, when you won the, uh, the, the Euro the, when you became the Euro continental champion and, had to confiscate it. Uh, you, you gave it to, you lost it to Jared, right? And then Jared gave it the, yeah. the European championship to Mark Henry. Yeah. So, yeah. And so you, you became a face, uh, not too long after that. Uh, was it just a, a time to change your gimmick up or was it a suggestion that you had or, or how'd that come about?
2: It was nothing I did. It was nothing the office did. It's what the people did. Um, yeah, Right. I every agree. time every time I'd go to an arena, it would be less and less booze and more and more cheers, and, and it, it, I was doing the exact same thing. And it was like, you know, I was confused at a point. I'm like, I'm I'm being the bad guy, but they're cheering for me. And at that time, too, in wrestling, attitude was bad guys are good and good guys are bad. It it was kind of backwards. It was Kabuki world, you know? Um, so yeah. the people really changed me to face and then... That's when the office said, okay, we're going to go in this direction and make you a babyface. But, you know, if you look at the way I wrestle, I didn't do anything different. I, my strut was the same. My swagger was the same. I talked crap to people the same way. It just the people liked me because I, w- I guess I was cool or whatever. They started getting behind me and didn't want to see me lose. So, mm-hmm. you know, we were swimming upstream with me wrestling other babyfaces so that's when the, 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 office made a choice to, to change me over.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it, it was successful. I mean, like you said, I mean, people, people were behind you uh, very much. So uh, just real quick about draws. Uh, do, do you, have, have y'all talked and, and, and kind of uh, made amends and, and, and I know that I've, I've been a journalist in wrestling for quite some time and I know I've read some reports that you guys have talked and made amends and and so forth uh just just let us know you know just as far as talking after the the incident and, and have you talked to them anytime recently
2: you know we talked right after it and, and there was never amends to made. you know days after it happened you know, we both sat back and, and, and watched the video and realized that it was just something happened, and neither of us know what happened. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I look as a performer, I was never the same after that. Um, I wasn't the same. I, I won't say uh, I was never the same. I didn't take the same risks. I, I never wrestled the same way after that. And you know, I, you know, there was time that after that happened, I I quit wrestling. I literally quit. I Gave up. I was like, I'm done. I'm going home, and don't ever call me again. Um, and luckily, Jim Ross called me and talked me out of that. But you know, there's no, there's no hatred from Draws towards me. Um, he, you know, we we both understand the risks we take when we go in the ring, um, and it's 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 dangerous in there. Just because it's, you know, maybe predetermined or considered wrestling. It's not real. It's it's, that's why they give the PSA's kids don't do this at home. Um Absolutely. But as far as draws are concerned, we're good, we're boys, we've talked um throughout the years. Um you know, we're not we're not great friends, but we understand that an accident happened that affected, you know, his life forever and um he always has a place in my heart. Um there's not a day goes by that I don't think about him. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's no blame on either side from either person. Uh, and, you know. That's good. That, that's, that's as much as I can put out there. It's just, there's no blame from either guy on either, on either side about anything that, went ha- that happened.
1: Yeah, that, and that's totally respectable. Yeah, it's a, it's really sad, but it's definitely, you know, it's a, like you said, it, it's just a part of the game, you know, and it's just a risk. It's a freak accident. It's just a risk that everyone – every anybody that could have been anybody you know and definitely not to minimize you know draws at all um not at no. all but you know that could have been anyone uh, and and you know I'm glad that both of you have that perspective and that uh, you can you know go on um uh, going from there so as a as a DLo fan in the 90s man there were two gimmicks that I did not like I did not. I did not like the 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 teaming with Chaz and the Thugging and Bugging Enterprises. I thought both of them were trash. And I mean, how did they even? And, and even the the, the uh, Tiger Ali Singh, you know, stuff was going on. At least Thugging and Bugging Enterprises were. I didn't like it at all, just because I knew where you were a few years back, you know, and I just thought that. You know, I, I, I just thought they just they just threw it together; didn't have any direction to it. But Chaz's thing to me was just, what in the world was was that all about? And you know, Second Amendment Enterprises, you know, teaming with Ronnie Mac and and and, and Teddy Long was funny on the mic for sure. That was absolutely funny. Uh, his whiteboard challenges with Rodney Mack was absolutely funny, but I didn't like him because I knew your potential and I knew, you know, just the uh, the push that they could have given you. And uh, was was that because was that a result of the draws thing and them not pushing you? I mean, why did those two gimmicks happen? Who came up yeah, with them and, I, and, and
2: what, what happened? I can definitely tell you it wasn't because of the draws thing, because literally four months after the draws thing, I signed a contract for three times the amount of money I was making before the draws thing. So it wasn't about okay. draws. Okay. Um, I will tell you, in my opinion, and you can look at the timetable, um, the character of D.Lo Brown was floating along, doing really good things, and then Vince Rousseau went to WCW. Mm. And then there was rumors of me going to WCW. And everything was downhill from there. And that's all I'll say is everything went downhill from there. And, wow, uh, that makes perfect yeah, sense. I, I, had a, I, I had a great time teaming with Chaz. I hated the turbans. I hated Tiger Ali saying that was the worst part of the <laughs> yeah. low point in my career. I mean, I I I I I, I remember waking up one day and, and telling my, my, my fiance time, I don't want to go to work because I don't want to see how they're going to ruin my career today. And mm. that was the whole Tiger Ali saying, turban, I'm a Muslim, I don't know what I am, and I'm wearing a Latin outfit.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah. Uh, and the bugging the and bugging was just me floating through and them trying to find something. But yeah. I, I, I totally believe, you know, Vince Russo had made the move to go to WCW, and there was some, I don't know where the rumors came from, but there was rumors that I was going to go to WCW, which this couldn't be further than the truth. And and as a result of that, life went downhill quickly.
1: Mm. Uh, yeah, sad man. Uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, and, and that makes perfect sense. That makes absolutely perfect sense. I can see exactly why that you know started to decline there as far as your gimmick is concerned. At least you had uh, you know marginal success in TNA. Uh, shortly after that, mm-hmm. team with Apollo becoming nwa tag team champions uh and even you know being in some some main event tag team matches having some you know uh close uh calls you know for the for the world title and the, you know they they made you one of the one of the you know upper mid card to go on the top guys around that time in the early 2000 mm-hmm. early yeah you know, i think it was about 03 or so that you were at you had your uh, tna run um and, and so so let us know about that was it uh when you when you got released uh or i don't know if you quit or released i think it was around 03 or so you came in, in, in TNA not too far uh after that uh so how was your your first we'll talk about your first run in TNA uh how was that it was it was quick but you know just working in TNA how was it
2: well you know and and it came right at my contract i wasn't released my cops expired so i i my contract was never renewed. That's why I went down to TNA. And, um, I, I love my time at TNA because I got to get, I got to wrestle with a young guy like AJ Styles and um, try to give him some wisdom along the way. And I got to wrestle with a lot of young talent and be in a different environment for the first time in a long time. So it allowed me to express myself a little way. But my ultimate goal was to go to Japan, and that's where TNA kind of became, a, a you know, and no disrespect to TNA, became a transient kind of state for me before I could go on to my, you know, my Japan run. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, Japan, you, you teamed up with Buchanan and, and became a GHC Tag Team Champions, and then you were, you know, a member of two of the, you know, the biggest factions of that time, you know, the ROD and the yeah. Voodoo Murders, And, and uh, yeah, man, I, I remember those. Uh, you know, those were two big stables. You know, we have the, you know, the Bullet Club of, of these days, uh, but you know, back in you know early 2000s and in mid 2000s, you had the uh, R.O.D. and and uh, the Voodoo Murders, and uh, um, you you made your your heel turn right. And, and to, when you turned, when you became a member of the Voodoo Murders, how how did that come about?
2: Um, it became about because um, you know we had done the R.O.D. and um, we had been in R.O.D. for about four years, and it was kind of coming. To, you could feel it was coming to the end of the run. I mean, it was. A very popular group and was mainstream, but then it start, you felt it started to decline. So the company felt it was time mm-hmm. for a change. And that's when we did the, the switch over to to Murder, which I don't think really worked because it just didn't fit. Uh, and that's when I left all Japan with Buchanan and we jumped over to NOAA and had another couple year run as Buchanan and, and, and Brown. And we, we had some good success there. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, let's get over to uh, your, 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 your TNA run, um, b- before we, before we close here, uh, real, real quick, uh, before we get into your TNA run, we'll, we'll end with your TNA run and I'll ask you, you know, just to give me some, uh, short, uh, we obviously do uh word association or, or, or name association. Uh, we'll do that here, but just, you, you had a few spurts in, in ROH and I've never seen you in ROH, um, so how, how would you, I guess, explain your ROH1 in a nutshell?
2: Um, my ROH1 was kind of like, you know, let's come in and see what you can do. And, and you know, it seemed like I was getting closer to the end my career, so it was more of a teaching vessel than anything else. Um,
0: and I already
2: mentally started switching over to being an agent in my mind, Um And that's where I knew I was going to end up, you know, agenting matches and stuff. So this was my way of actively being a part of a match and still teaching at the same time. And then I had the ROH run over the summer of, uh, I want to say, it was uh, 08 or 09, I can't remember. And then that so quickly became an agent over at TNA, and and that's where I spent, you know, the next few years. But it was definitely in my mind already I had switched over to, the teaching mode as opposed to the active participant mode. Uh-huh.
1: So who brought you over to TNA to be an agent?
2: Uh Dixie Carter did. I, I remember giving her a phone call and then saying, you know, um I just had my second daughter. I don't want to travel too much. I'm based in Orlando, you're based in Orlando. Uh I would love to come in and and, and do some agenting work for you and she said, Come on in and oh the next TV was I started. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's lucky I had friends there like, you know, Jeff Jarrett and um, Terry Taylor who were more than appreciative and accepting me and and, and giving me wisdom along the way. Even when I made mistakes as an agent, they would pull me back and critique my agent and and, and give me input to making a better agent. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I settled in that role quite nicely and spent the next five years doing that.
1: So how was it? I mean, what were what were the biggest takeaways that you had been in Asia? Um
2: just the awesome feeling when you teach someone something and then you watch them go out there and do it that night in the ring and get the reaction that you know it's going to get. It's almost almost as exciting as doing it yourself because it's almost like you get that proud that proud father feel where it's like I teach my kid how to hit a baseball, and now he hits a home run. Holy crap, that's yeah. great. Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah. that was that was the feeling I had, as an, that sort of feeling I still have as an agent now in, in teaching in my own school. It's like when I teach this kid something and I see them go do it, it's almost like watching your kid walk for the first time. You know, you get that <clears throat> feeling of the accomplishment of you helped create this, you helped give this life, and now you're watching this person not only walk but run. And it's just right. such an incredible feeling deep in your heart. And you know that everything I'm doing is right. This is, this is good. This is really good.
1: Absolutely, man.
2: And oh, here we go,
1: man. And, and, and this is, and and again, this hurts me because, you know, I'm a, I'm a D little guy. And so I, you know, and I've, I've been a TNA I, – I, I, there's been pockets of TNAs run that I've been a TNA apologist, um, mm-hmm. you know, just saying, hey, uh, you know, you need to go. They have, they have amazing talent there. It's actually not that bad. You know, people would, you know, critique it. A lot of people wouldn't even really spend the time to watch it. And then you have things like Ten 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 that didn't really work out. And then you have things like Immortal didn't really work out. And then you have this group that had just the, uh, an amazing, you know, aura of suspense with it. You know, you would have people in ski max come out, you know, with, uh, uh, with, with cards and they, you know, and and they, they, Reveal themselves to be aces and eights And then you had people Just being uh, unveiled You know week after week And then you put your boots Back on man And you I, I remember because I, kind of, I kind of Felt it coming I was like Because I remember before like a few weeks Before I think it was Like you and I don't know if it, I don't remember if it was you and Al Snow Or if it was you and Um, um what's his name uh uh kenny pat kenny uh uh simon um yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, i yeah I, I don't i I don't remember if it was one of you guys, but you were kind of teasing it a little bit and kind of teasing the hill run and then you became then you unveiled yourself to be one of the members of aces and eights and uh you you were the the v p of aces and eights, and you started wrestling again, it was cool to see that at least. Um, how did you really, really feel about the Aces and Eights run? Who came up with the run? I mean, who came up with the idea? Who came up with the concept? And and how did you really feel about that that gimmick?
2: Well, the the whole Aces thing, I thought Aces and Eights was an incredible faction that had so much potential. It could have been NWO. It could have been Nation-esque. It could have been, you know, had the potential there, so um, when they were doing, initially being an agent, um, there were things happening in the background, you know, he said, were beating up on people. And I remember walking through a couple of segments and saying, this is how you should attack a guy. This is how you should, this is how you should be, your, your body posture should be. And, and Eric Bischoff saw me doing this and said, well, they're all under steam as." why don't you go out and help do it and lead the charge and be the general officer? Because, you know, remember they said are a bunch of younger guys initially, you know, a bunch of you guys, are, you know, that they, they were revealed were younger guys. So it's like they needed a, a floor general out there. So it was never meant for me to be revealed on TV as me. Uh, but I have such a distinct body posture that people figured out pretty quickly it was me. Yeah, and so it was written. Like Eric Bischoff kind of he wrote it that way, and 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 made the made the change to have me be that guy. And he knew I could handle talking. He knew I could handle, um, you know, being out there. And that's how it started. That's how I became that guy, that the the vice president of Masonics. It was more out of just. The right guy at the right space at the right time, and that's gonna happen.
0: Hmm.
1: So, what happened to the end of your TNA uh, run? What what caused it? And and what do you think the future of T- You know, what would you say the future of TNA is at this moment? Um, my
2: end of TNA came from just um, it was a change in the upper management, and they wanted to go with their own team. And that happens in every pro sport when a new head coach comes in. You don't think about it, but assistant coaches get fired. They bring in new defensive coordinators, and you know, so it was just a over management. And they wanted to bring in their own team, and there's never been an incident ill will between myself and TNA. I I Good. call this her right now and tell her, hey, hey, I love you and I miss you, and she'd say the same thing. Um, I I for the future of TNA, I hope nothing but the best. Um, on a selfish note, wrestling is better when there's more than one when there's more than one choice, when there's an alternative, when there's a different venue yes. that fans can go to, that wrestlers can go to. Um, you know, the highest money making period in this in this business history was W W F efforts, W C W. And oh yeah. One one is not good without the other. And they're linked together. Yes. So, um, when there's one game in town, and look, I'm a huge Bears fan. My rivals agree with the Packers. But if I had to watch them 16 games a year play each other, I'd be tired of it. And yeah. so I like the variety, and, and you need to get out there and you need another alternative. So I, I hope TNN the best. I, I, I believe they'll do well. I know that the Carters are invested heavily in, in, in how that company runs and exists. So I think it'll be around. I mean, I'm, I'm glad they found a new TV deal to keep their product on the air. I mean, I just hope that they continue doing what they're doing.
1: Any chance to return to the TNA or WWE?
2: You know, never say never. It's wrestling, but right now, right now, my 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 heart, my passion, you know, is in 3PW, my my company out here in Vegas, and and, and the D.L. Brown Proving Academy and, and and the proving ground, and and you know, you never know. Once again, wrestling is wrestling, and it changes. It's about as, it's about as steady as the wind. <laughs> yeah, you know, one day it's blowing left, this day it's blowing right. You never know. So I'll, I will never use never. the word never.
1: Yeah. Well said. Three names. We'll, we'll just do three names right now. And uh, just let me know, just shortly let me know, you know, your your thoughts. on. So let's start off with Vince McMahon.
2: Vince McMahon is a genius who has given me a life that I continue to make uh, a living off of, and without him, I wouldn't be here. So he's a mad, mad genius, and I love him. Nice. John Cena. John Cena is a guy who took every bit of what he had and made it into something special. Um, He's been the face of wrestling for the last 15 years. There's no or buts about it. Like it or hate him, everybody has an opinion about him. And in wrestling... That's all you can ask for as a performer is for everybody to have an opinion of you. And he's done that. And uh, he's a good friend, and and I wish him nothing but the best.
1: Absolutely. That's awesome. And lastly, Vince
2: Russo. Uh, love him like a brother. You know, people. some people don't like him. Some people hate him. Um, people give him grief for things he didn't do or had no control over because He was a quote-unquote booker. But um, as far as I'm concerned, Vince Russo has been nothing but a friend Till you know, he's still my friend ten minutes from now. And he'll be my friend to the day I die. And I love Vince Russo with a passion. Wow.
1: Awesome, man.
2: Uh, Real quick before we go, uh, give us your Twitter, your Facebook, and let us know once again about the Academy.
1: Guys, you can reach me
2: anytime uh, at DLOBrown75 on Twitter. That's me personally, and and you can always get me on 3PW uh, Las Vegas uh, on Twitter. That's my wrestling company and my wrestling school. Um, reach out, find out what's going on, get my day to day. We're having a great time here. If you're if you're an up and coming kid who thinks about wrestling, or you know that's maybe your passion is, there's tons of schools out there, um, but you know I just think mine's a little different. And give us a shot, you'll uh, you'll get a uh, PhD in pro wrestling history.
1: Awesome. Pleasure talking with you, man. Greatly appreciated.
2: Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you having me on. And anytime you need me, just give me a shout.
1: Awesome. Have a good night, man. Thanks a lot. Thank
2: you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bring what you got. The measuring stick
0: just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners. Three. Armand. Oh, Let's go. The whole squad is. Making it clear We've taken this year You know who we are But you don't know Why we here So this is where The big boys play These big boys play Like who defies The living guy Get out the big boys way Outsiders with the swoop in We live as kings You see in us But our third man Waits in the wings And when the time is right We shock him With the proper attack I go for dolo But ain't solo Cut the promo in black Hollywood Hendrix frizzle Pinning them to the mat. I'm that's one. With the strength of a hundred men With one intent to see the will Fulfilled of the one who sent his son To give himself, but you rap out your guts and your racks torture White coffins when I drop a bomb My mic's awesome, never lost faith You in all space, you can all Skate, suffer but never crippled. No bin walls in my cross face From here to saturn they raving Anticipating, I was frostbitten, Now I am glacier, mixed with some Vader, get to hawking with these animals Using God for my defense and Alabama, we and that's beautiful Bobby Eaton, me and Priest We the dangerous alliance, nah The Harlem Heat, tie the do-rag Before we do battle, you're talking sheep, you all what you speak, this too Still an is took back We repping that work pack The foundation shaking, no mistaking Yeah, we shook that, trusting God We trust, pushing forward, never look Back, meekness ain't at all weakness Some people must that Stamping out this crook rap, he turning The power on, on the race Zed's leg drop after we're power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through, diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too. It's good to be king. Sold out this war with brutal. too. We playing the war games. Our army go move too. You I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter In the grand scheme, it's that easy We tag team and the brothers We love it, demand the win, establish it This the clash to the champions <laughs> This is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play
1: Special shout out to D'Lo Brown, former WWE Intercontinental and uh, European Champion, former NWA Tag Team Champion. The man, he was here today, and, I, and I'm really, uh, and I'm so happy that I was able to share that story. To um, you know, to. to to touch him in in, in a way to to let him know, man, that, uh, hey, the D'Lo Brown character in 97 98 was the stuff, and I was a big fan of it. And, uh, you know, 17, 18 years later, I'm here, and we're here to talk about it live. And it was such an amazing opportunity to talk with the man, and it was absolutely amazing. Now I'm joined by the baddest the co-host on the planet, Derek, man, D'Lo Brown, awesome stuff, man. <laughs>
2: I'm smiling from ear to ear. This is this is the cream of the crop up until now. But we had D'Lo Brown on the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. How beautiful and wonderful is that? I mean, flying frog splash. I, I love his, his head bump that he would do side to side. I used to do that in the Kroger parking lot in Lancaster, Ohio, when I worked there. And it was yeah, awesome. it was phenomenal, man. I loved it. I loved the interview. Everybody, I mean, the chat rooms lit up. We are wrestling's lit up. I mean, this was this was a crowning achievement. Mr. Featherstone, Doctor Featherstone, Doctor of Wrestling, Doctor Slile, Josh Solo, Chris Featherstone. <laughs> Oh, bro.
1: All right. Thank you, man. Greatly appreciated. Uh man, it was it was absolutely amazing. I had a fantastic time. So we uh what's about we got about twenty minutes left, so we're just gonna skim through um Raw, we're gonna skim through SmackDown. But before we before we do it, I would just be remiss uh to not acknowledge uh the passing of legendary AWA founder uh Greg Gagne, WWE Hall of Famer, back in 2006, I believe it was 2006. Man, just uh, 89 years old. Uh, he's been ailing for for quite some time now, but uh, man, he he definitely has uh, a <laughs> such a, a spot in history. Uh, we're going to do a, a quick moment of silence, but uh, Derek, I'll let you share your thoughts about Vern Gagne.
2: Vern Gagne, I mean, he was like he would be on the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. Vern Gagne, Vince McMahon, Ric Flair, and the fourth one, we leave up to anybody. But, I mean, honestly, the guy trained everybody. He was a who's who. He's trained you. He's set the milestone for professional wrestling. I mean, there would be no professional wrestling. He's like a loose I mean, honestly, you can't dish out more than that guy has to his contributions to wrestling it's sad we lost him. Uh, whatever you think of the man, yeah, he's a shysty promoter. But there, probably there, Chancer wouldn't be wrestling today if he had not put his hand into the mix back in the day and the uh, promotions and the. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's just hard to wrap it up. But yeah, moment of silence, and it's obviously it's it's one that we will always remember here on Pancakes and Power Slams.
1: Absolutely So we're going to take a brief moment of silence in honor of Vern Ganya All right Awesome Greg uh, and Vern Ganya Greg uh, inducted to Vernon Hall of Fame And uh, definitely um, interested to see Greg's thoughts on his uh, dad's passing And uh, see where his head is All right Extreme Rules, we're just going to go through the uh, results, and then we're going to go through Raw, and then after Raw, we're going to talk about the King of the Ring uh, happening tonight. Then we're going to spend a little bit of time on the European Championship. That was our Flavor of the Week this week, we're going to talk uh, a couple minutes about the European Championship. Extreme Rules, we had Neville defeating Bad News Barrett in the pre-show, Luke Harper uh, versus Dean Ambrose, and of course... We always have to have trivia. We always, always have to have trivia. So, with that being said, what was the godfather known as in the GWF? What was the godfather known as in the GWF? We have Luke Harper uh, versus Dean Ambrose in a Chicago street fight. Uh, It seemed like it was a no contest. Harper rides off with Ambrose legs uh, dangling outside the car. Match started back after the match. Uh... Ziggler defeating Seamus, but at the same time Seamus, you know, is a typical heel that he is, uh, having Ziggler do the do instead of him, uh, by low blowing and bro kicking him. New Day, my actually one of my favorite parts of the night, uh defeating Kidd and Cesaro to become the new tag team champions. I I, I it was a very soft mark out moment for me. But it, I did it. <laughs> it was it was awesome. Cena defeated Rusev in a Russian chain match. Nikki Bella defeating Naomi. Roman Reigns defeating Big Show in a last man standing match. Uh then we got a Bray Wyatt promo. Uh and then Ryback appears right after that. Uh I am sorry, we had a uh Bo Dallas promo, uh and then Ryback appears and and, and giving him a, a close line a shell shocked after that. Uh, then we have uh, Seth Rollins defeating Randy Orton in a steel cage, Kane took slamming both, and then Roland, uh, rolling Rollins over, and then Orton kicking out, uh, RKOing Kane, and uh, and then Rollins RKOed Orton and, and escapes. I thought Axedale was a solid pay per view. It was a it was much much better than I expected. I think it was a pretty solid pay per view. I think the New Day winning the Tag Team Champions was a great idea. You have to strike while the iron's hot. You know, that's that's a very effective rule in, in many cases when it comes to wrestling. Strike while the iron's hot. The fans made the New Day who the New Day is now as far as their heel run. I think it's a fantastic transition for the New Day, and having them as Tag Team Champions is great. That was, you know, that was top candidate of match of the night. My, you know, I, I was incredibly impressed with the Roman Reigns and Big Show match, and what 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 made me even more impressed is that the Chicago is the smartest crowd in, in the nation, and and Roman Reigns is not a Chicago favorite at all, but you can't deny the fact. That when a guy who was very a- a- an antagonist in the whole crowd, the whole city, when he ends up being cheered, and, I, and, I, and I've written, you know, I wrote an article on Bleacher Report, and I've, you know, done some reports, and you know, I've heard some some reports from people who actually was there at at uh, Extreme Rules, and and they said that. The, the, the crowd was booing Reigns when he first started, and then by the time the end of the match came, the crowd was very pro Reigns. And so the very fact that he turned the crowd on their heads against Big Show, that has to tell you something. And I, I just, it just, if you don't like Roman Reigns, it's okay. You're a wrestling fan. You get to choose whatever, whoever you want to like, whoever you don't want to like. But it's, you can't really give me excuses of why you don't like Roman Reigns anymore. He's only been there for two and a half years, and he's growing exponentially. Rollins and Orton, uh, it wasn't as exciting as I wanted it to be. And actually, uh, it, it could have it certainly been better. Harper and Ambrose, Harper needed the, the win. Cena and Rusev wasn't that exciting to me. The Divas match wasn't that exciting to me. Uh, And Ziggler and uh, Sheamus was a good match. And I actually liked the ending of it, too, because it's, you know, Ziggler got the win, but Sheamus got the heat. So I think that was a really good book match. So overall, yeah, I was was totally in favor. I was very surprised of how solid this pay-per-view
2: was. It was a very solid pay-per-view. I was really surprised by that. I wasn't expecting much. But that goes to show, you know, what are we going to expect the next few pay-per-views. But, honestly, New Day and Neville stole the show. I thought that uh, those two matches were the best of the night. New Day, I've said it on here a million times. I'm not a fan of them. But I do like their new, you know, underhanded tactics. And Mm -hmm. you you can't, Kofi Kingston is just absolutely shining right now. And it's, it's awesome, because he's been there for so long. And he's always been a back shelf. He can still be on the back shelf, but he's making the most of what he's got, and it was great. I was, I was so happy to see the New Day win the Tag Team Championships. Same thing with yep. Rollins and uh, RKO. Wasn't too impressed by it. But the Roman Reigns still put on a great show. Big show put up his tough front. So Exciting pay-per-view. I was really surprised. So, good to see it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the Soul Taker is the correct answer. Good job. Next question is, what team name did the Godwins have in WCW? Uh, good good uh, comment here in the net chat room, the live stream. Uh, it, Rollins has gotten better. It all comes down to how he's booked. Very true. Uh, read my article in Bleach Report. It says Rollins in the current uh, World Heavyweight Championship picture is a bad idea. And the reason why is we'll get to Raw. Rollins in ring promo goes back and forth with Kane. Orton interferes and then reigns. Bad News Bear defeats Dolph Ziggler for the King of the Ring first round. It just kind of sprung up on us. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was very, very interesting. Um, it just sprung up on us. And then. Uh, we got Big E defeating Tyson Kidd, Ryback defeating Bo Dallas. That was very apparent that we were gonna see Bray Wyatt. Of course he comes out, cuts his promo, and the you know, the, the reports are, are true. Uh the Ryback is the guy that he was talking about. We got a senior in the ring promo and then, you know, he does his US open challenge. He Slater accepts, but he gets attacked by Rusev and Rusev forces Lana to go to the back and Cuts promo on stage. Uh, I think Rusev and Lana. I think we will probably see the last of Rusev and Lana at Payback. I think it's going to be an I Quit match. I think Lana's going to pull a, a Diane uh, Hart on uh, on uh, Rusev and throwing uh, a towel, a Diane heart and throwing a towel on <laughs> on behalf of Rusev on an I Quit match. And and I think that they'll save. Face with Rusev and not let him say I quit, but probably Lana throw in a towel or something like that and, and it'd be the end of them. R Truth defeating Stardust in the Kingdom Rings uh, first round match. Still some random feud going on between Adam Rose and Fandango. Uh, Fandango distracted by Rosa Mendez and have some type of uh, soft porn session uh, on the PG show. Naomi defeating Brie Bella. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Uh, Seamus defeating Dean and Ambrose by D Q and advancing uh the King of the Ring as well. Uh Sandow's in Ring promo, man. He's got new music which is cool. Um, he's got uh he's, the fans are still much, much behind him, which is uh good. And that was in Green they were in Green Bay. Uh so Green Bay's not known to be much of a smarky crowd. Um so you know, they they definitely welcomed – uh, Sandow with open arms, and I think Curtis Axel was a good person to utilize in that uh, in that segment to really uh, put Sandow over, and I'll, and I'll, I'll be okay with the Sandow Axel feud. Neville defeating Luke Harper uh, to go in the first round of King of the Ring, and then Orton and Reigns defeating Rollins and, and Kane. And then, of course, the WWE Universe chooses the triple threat match of uh, Payback, which I was not okay at all that Rollins is in the World Heavyweight Title picture again. Like I said in my, you know, like I said on my my article that I wrote on Bleach Report today, he and I've said this before. He needs to be in the mid card. You know, the, the the fans are gaining respect for for Roman Reigns. Because of just the grittiness that he's been showing this year, I mean, minus the Royal Rumble, you know, good match with Daniel Bryan, had a great match with Brock Lesnar, had a very impressive match with Big Show. So he needs to be in that again. He needs to be, you know, having that underdog type of feel to him. He needs to be feud with Rusev, Bray Wyatt, Sheamus. We could be a good feud with him, and I, you know, it should it should end with. Him beating John Cena at, at SummerSlam. I mean, and John Cena, you know, he would get more of the pops between, with the him and Cena feud. So, if they really want to invest in Reigns as being the next guy, they really need to. Um, uh, they really need to, to. If I'm sorry, I meant to say Reigns, Roman Reigns. I don't know if I said Rollins if I, if, I, if I was saying Rollins, but thanks. Um, but sure, I, totally, Roman Reigns is, is who I'm referring to. Um, you know, Roman Reigns needs to be he, – he needs to be – if they want to invest in, in, in Reigns, they need to make sure that he's working his way up back to becoming, you know, just, um, you know, the Samoan Enforcer type of bad boy gimmick that he had first in the Shield. And I think that he's kind of – Going against show kind of brings that back, which is good. But he needs, but but Reigns needs to to, to feud against like Sheamus and, and other heels like that to put him over, to continue to get that respect from the crowd instead of just being thrust back into the world title scene. Who wants who wants? It would be ridiculous to me to see Roman Reigns win the title match. Win the title. At payback That this one makes sense at all So why even insert him in the title picture
2: Yeah uh, That would be silly I wouldn't want to do that I mean that would be an absolute horrible disgrace And it's you want that For Roman Reigns to have that special Moment that you know He wins a title you don't want to be on one of these In your house pay per views I mean for crying out loud And it's I was almost thinking it would be kind of fun to see Reigns And Cena feud for a bit and uh, see where that yeah. would go. I love it. But even last night, it. Monday Night Raw, was, it was um, a follow-up to the pay-per-view, obviously. It was okay. And i uh, got to give a shout-out to Fondongo, still saying relevant. Uh, Sheamus and
1: Ambrose.
2: Uh, Ambrose is so totally misused. And I, I believe the same thing with Harper. A lot of these guys with our truth and Stardust, just giving them throwaway matches. That's what we come to expect. Sandow, that was a great pop for him last night. That was pretty, that was his night, and um, it got kind of old with him mocking Axel Rose. Or, I just said Axel Rose, Axel he did, he did, uh, Curtis Axel, Curtis Axel. <laughs> but uh, hey, he would do great with yeah, Axl Rose with uh, Curtis Axel. Uh, but uh, I'm a Sandow. I wanted to keep this. I wanted to hold on to because I mean he's really deserving of it. That would be great. So. Keep that going. Raw last night, I'd give it a C plus. Yeah,
1: sounds about right. And real quick, uh, uh, the King of the Ring tonight, uh, right before, you know, uh, shortly before the show, a couple hours before the show, uh, we had Neville defeating Sheamus, we had Bad News Bear defeating our truth and then we had Bad News Bear defeating Neville as being the new King of the Ring. Real quick, uh, I, I do want to make it publicly clear that I predicted every single match right. So I just wanna make that very, very clear, um, that when I was looking at the bracket, I predicted every single match correctly. So kudos to me, uh, for once on this show. I'll give myself props and uh say that I uh, I predicted every every match right. So but I and and I'm cool I'm cool with Barrett being King of the Ring. This is, you know, there's no payoff to this is similar to odds for the giant. There's no, there's nothing that's going to come with this. And I would definitely think that Barrett needed to rub more than any of the eights. I mean, Barrett has not really established himself that much when he's, uh, since he's come back. And really, period in his in his uh, in his career, he's been very roller coaster up and down. So he definitely needed the rub for this more than anybody else did. So I'm totally fine with him being King of the Ring.
2: That's okay. I like Bad News bearing I think just about everyone does. You can get behind his gimmick. And again, it means nothing. It's irrelevant. I like bracket system. That's, it's always fun. I always enjoyed King of the Ring. The King of the Ring used to mean something. I mean, we've seen a lot of people, you know, really rise to the ranks. But yeah, it's just—it's a novelty thing now, kind of like the Andre the Giant. So I'll run with it. WWE Network exclusive.
1: Absolutely. All right, real quick, Flavor of the Week coming up. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. Uh first of all there's there's a um uh not a correct answer so far. What was the Godwin's uh name in WCW? Uh and we only got a couple minutes so you better you better start thinking uh, very quickly. But give me t- two good minutes, Derek, uh, about about 90 seconds of your biggest memories for the uh from the European Championship.
2: My biggest memory of the European Championship was when uh, D-Generation X, when it was uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, Triple H, uh, Sergeant Slaughter came out, interrupted there. I think it was like a Christmas episode of Monday Night Raw. said, oh, you've got to defend the European Championship against somebody because you haven't done it in 30 days or whatever the time limit was. And I remember it was against Triple H. He chose Triple H to be his, uh, or Sergeant Slaughter maybe, chose Triple H to be Shawn Michaels' opponent, and of course that was when they uh, they were pointing each other's faces and doing their typical DX style back in the day. And uh, this is like late '97, I believe. And uh, I still didn't understand why there was a European Championship in the WWE. But it, however, it ended up uh, Shawn Michaels took a dive for Triple H, and uh, totally upset Stars and Slaughter and everybody. It wasn't the finger poke that you had with a uh, Kevin Nash against Hogan. Uh, what was it? Was it a finger poke? Maybe it was like just a quick clothesline yeah. that Shawn just Yeah, doing it. it was yeah. something really simple. That that was a precursor to the finger poke of doom. So uh, to me, that was my biggest European Championship moment. I know it's you know it's had a lineage over its whatever tenure you want to call it within the WWE confines, but. Uh, it, it was what it was. It was kind of like a hardcore championship, and I remember they had the light Heavyweight championship for a while back in the late nineties so it was kind of a throwaway title, but uh not to the point where I would disrespect somebody that actually held it and had a great time with it. But as far as my biggest memory, that was that was d x was still fresh and new, you uh, know Sergeant Slaughter was a big, respected figure in the w w e and he came out and made a big stink about it. And uh, DX kind of just made fun of what they were doing. There's no rules. This is, you know, attitude is everything. That was yeah. my greatest memory of the European Championship title. Mm-hmm.
1: The, uh, the European Championship was uh, really, really cool. I remember Shane McMahon days. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, X-Pac and, and D-Lo. Um, I remember, you know, Shawn Michaels uh, winning it. And, uh you know Triple H's days, this European Championship, and William Regal uh, actually tying D'Lo with the with the most reigns. But when I think of European Championship, I think of 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 D'Lo. Man, I I just he really to me, I just really think he made you know the, the European Championship as popular as it was. He he put personality behind the European Championship. Yeah, it was a good. It was kind of like the television championship of uh, the WWE. And I liked it. I think it was good. And I think uh, I think I'm, I think it was uh, you know um, Al Snow. He wanted to, and he started uh, naming all different types of stuff. It was pretty funny. But so it, it definitely had to, you know in, in short history, it had some some really good stuff. Before we get off the air, real quick, I'll be remiss to say. Uh, a little bit of ROH man I'm a big fan of the addiction uh but they were they enveloped themselves as a KRD uh, this past weekend I was uh very sad to, to to see that and uh you know they they uh came out it, Chris Sabin debuted and it was sad I'm a big fan of the addiction but uh you know they're they're heels now and Red Dragon basically is a you know full-fledged faces they're better as heels because they're cockiness, but I think they'll be good faces. Red Dragon is the best the, the best tag team of the entire world to me. I think they're absolutely fantastic. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, a power pack show. We got it all in 90 minutes. 90 minutes is never enough, as Derek says. Thank you so much for continuing to support us. D-Lo Brown did a fantastic job. It was great to talk to him. Until next week, Daddy Loves Elijah and Ian, God bless And have a fantastic week, and enjoy your week of wrestling. Have a good night. Bye-bye.